told you before they bury me that I would get mine It's this time to shine, all I did was climb Cause all I did was grind All I did was manifest lines designed in my mind I put affirmations in every single lyric They thought I was just ignorant, they ain't wanna hear it <laughs> They should've listened, they could've learned something From a hustler who can teach you how to earn something Take the fire in your eyes and burn something Take the hard times in your life and turn something hardcore podcast you just heard e-town concrete the track level up 
if there was ever signs that things are going pretty fucking well in the world. We got E-Town dropping a track nearly right up there with the top of any of their previous efforts. And in the gap between material can speak for itself, but E-Town's been fairly active for the last 10 years or more, playing different festivals, um, the, the annual or semi-annual New Jersey shows that killed it in Pittsburgh. They ain't stopping. This track's fucking awesome. I was going to play it last week, but we also had the whole My Own track come in, and whoever got there first is who I played. So went to make sure that tonight we put this one on for those who weren't hip to this and didn't know it came out. Um, the coolest thing about E-Town in general is that Anthony and the band are in a position where they do what they want. They do it more DIY than a lot of bands at their, at their what do you call it, their caliber, their size, their status, because of everything that has to do with Anthony and what he does in the music industry. You kind of realize like they can do all of it on their own. And even just self-releasing, it's fucking absolutely perfect. So, big ups. We have a lot to say, but not a lot of time to say it, because this is a solo, John. You know how I roll. Don't want to blather, talk your ear off, get you bummed out too long. Um, we are on the precipice of the return of Blacklisted. Which, depending on where you sit, if you sit your ass in Philadelphia, call yourself a Philadelphia hardcore person, then, you know, you know the deal. You know that this is this is prime time. This is the big deal. This is something that the kids, when we say the kids, haven't really seen, haven't been a part of. It's been many years since they played. And to do it at the First Unitarian Church is obviously, you know, a foregone conclusion the best way they could have done it, and then to add even more to it that they did it alongside Unbroken, two nights, both obviously sold out. Actually, not two nights, two days. Friday night, Saturday, if I'm going to be honest and particular with that. And it really does come down to every couple, what do you call it, hardcore generations, old bands that make their name and everybody talks about fade away or pull out for a while and then when they come back there's almost well there definitely is a need but there's almost a sense of for the new kids that they get this their own experience and I think that's super important and um, before I go really deep into that I really wanted to get into the rest of what we have going on because this isn't just one show this is a particularly busy fucking uh Busy fucking time, busy fucking week, etc., etc. You know, there's more. There's, I guess, there's more at stake than just the uh, blacklisted playing or the unbroken playing, which is like um, obviously huge. So, tomorrow night, blacklisted unbroken, or tonight rather, blacklisted unbroken with damnation AD entry and crashing forward. My boy Dan Sant will be there playing some shit between songs. Doors are at 6, show sold out. Saturday, Unbroken, Blacklisted with Indecision, Spherical Cramp, Magnitude, and Scarab. That's going to open up that Saturday morning. Wake the fuck up. 
this shit's about to happen. That's how it's going to go. So, great way. The following day, we got Harm's Way, Fleshwater, Ingrown, Jive Bomb, The Virgos. That show is going to start 6 p.m. at the First Unitarian Church. And then they say, but wait, there's more. We also have Dark Buster with the noise, um, Vulture Raid, and Hard Turf at Broken Goblet. Broken Goblet. And that is in uh, Ben Salem. I should also mention that Bob Wilson is a psychomaniac and was like, you know what? Two shows wasn't enough. I'm going to drop this after party, after show at the Bonks. I'm trying to pull up the fucking flyer for it. Bob, you bastard. I know you're listening. But anyway, yeah. Bob's got three bands playing. I, I had it written down, and then I don't know where I put it on the stupid computer. But, yeah, so we got a Friday night show, Saturday matinee. will end somewhere, uh, you know, you know, hopefully ending somewhere around 7, and then nighttime, you know, you go to Bonks and you hang out, then you come back Sunday to the church, or you drive out to Ben Salem, and you go and you see more fucking shows. This is what we do. Then the following day... I believe there's even something the 30th. Just trying to remember what the hell it was. And then next Saturday is November 4th. That's the Pain of Truth show. Pain of Truth, uh, Koyo, Life's Questions, Vomit Forth, Bomara, Adrian, and Nomad. And that's at a Polish club. Then we got this Diane Wish show November 10th, which is the following Friday. That's at Underground Arts. Uh, Boundaries is playing that one. This is um, another one of these like more metallic shows. But the show's been fucking selling well. We're really doing well with the Underground Arts people. In fact, December 9th, we got Angel Dust coming through. And um, everything we're doing here, you can check out at Philly HC Shows. Are on the Instagram and the Twitter, Philly Hardcore Shows on the Facebook, and then obviously the dot com. We also have Saturday, December 16th, we got Keystone Jam, H2O, Madball, E Town Concrete, you know, the best of the best. We even got Agents of Man, haven't played in a long time. So, a slew of bands. You can check us out at Keystone HC Jam, and there's that Club Reverb. We do it every year. Steve Potashio, our friend, um, sadly took his life during the COVID. The year before, he had been moshing in a Santa suit. We started doing it again. I said, I'm going to make sure we do it every year just because I know people in hardcore tend to, uh, you know, not have it so easy all the time. I mean, there's plenty of people in hardcore who have it really fucking easy. And they're usually the ones with the the silly band names and the graffiti all over their shit and... Always acting like a jerk off, but behind the facade are some of these quiet people who are a little less menacing looking. There's a lot of there's a lot of mental health shit, and the holidays brings the worst out in everybody. So uh, we do this shit so we can get all our friends together, and this year's particularly special because we have a slew of tattooers. So it's not just going to be hardcore people. Tattooers going to be there. It's going to be fucking fantastic, and um. I really can't stress to you how cool it's going to be to have everybody together again. And then 
you know, after Christmas, we're all at FYA, and a whole new year cycles in, and there's a lot of cool shit. Hardcore's in a special place. I think um, for what I just touched on, I, I don't want to just briefly say it, but it is hard to deal with different things in the scope of uh, mental health. And I've had my struggles in the years. I've had my um, my ups and downs. I've had quite a few therapists basically say that I do not have the time because I work late some nights and you don't know until the concrete's there what late night you're going to be there. And um, yeah, I've had some my own personal issues. And nine years ago, I tried to take my life, turn, try to turn some things around. Still every day try to turn things around. But I, I want people to know that as we get closer to these holidays, not everything is rosy. Not everything is perfect for everybody. These pictures you see, these stupid fucking, you know, things that you attach yourself to, the things you want, the physical things, they matter so little in the long run. You know, like I got shit all over my basement, different tools and old memorabilia and books I'd like to save and one day if I buy a house put up on the fucking wall none of that shit really matters in the long run of things it's the older I get the more I realize just how many people have less than perfect lives in these small things these these big shows these small shows these records that come out that's that's the motivator why this shit stays alive because somewhere in all this there's a resonation and there's people that feel connected to an entire music which should then put everybody who goes to these things on the idea that as a as an entity, as a group of people, we should be more cognizant that not everybody who's in that room, everything's fucking gravy and everything's fucking perfect. You know, um, there's people that are fighting sobriety, or fighting to keep sobriety, rather. Not fighting sobriety. <laughs> there are definitely people who are fighting sobriety. That wasn't the point I was trying to make. Um, there's definitely people that are just trying to eke out a living, just trying to push to the next day. Some people don't know where the next meal is going to come from. Um, that's a real thing, and it just doesn't get pinpointed, talked about. It's way less cool than say, get up here and kick you in the face, motherfucker, and all this other shit. But it's important for me to say that the focus sometimes gets lost and the script gets twisted around and people focus on some really dumb shit or argue on the internet about... Whether or not you should punch a furry, which is hilarious. In fact, I, I should mention Piper and Roman Fuel are open in that show with the Dying Wish at Underground Arts. And um, yeah, there's a lot of cool shit going on in hardcore at any given time. But there's also a lot of under the skin chaos moments where a song, a record, a show, a podcast, you know, these things are the things that just jolt a little bit of electricity back into a heart that's waning. And I think it's important to understand. And um, especially as we talk about things like blacklisted and the kind of things that the bands like them evoke, I I think it needs to be said that people ignore that or don't bring it up or don't see it that way. Maybe their life is rosy, but especially as we hit the Thanksgiving, the Christmas, the New Year's, people get dark. And um, I've been there been there quite a bit and I know how it is so not to be the t um I don't even know what the word would be but 
not to be too emo here, but make sure that you know that there are people who will reach out or you can reach out to. You can reach out to strangers. You can reach out to someone and say, hey, this shit's fucked up. Or I don't know how I feel. Or I'm feeling weird. Or, I'm feeling different. You know, there's the, the entire world is at war at any given time, whether whether it's not just this, the recent stuff. It's not. over And over time, everyone's at war, an ideology war, a war of resources, a war of, you know, simple things. It's like in, the, in our world, it's constantly optics. You know, like I said, that for your consideration thing. There are people who really thought that those bands writing that were up for Grammys, not realizing they're on their, they're on their own little path of a war to get recognition for their bum-ass records. You know? For your consideration, a record that no one even really got to see you tour on or a record with no tracks. For your consideration. Everyone's in their own little battles and everyone's in their own little things and the shit gets chaotic. But there are people that will whether they know you or not, hopefully through this thing, they're going to do the right thing and hear you out and give you some time to breathe and talk and maybe put you in the direction of something that can help you get through this shit. Um, it's pretty fucking dark, but I think in line with the, the blacklisted uh, overall themes, wouldn't you say? Um, uh, side note, I was going to do a little podcast on this, but the time the timing is getting chaotic Again, life, work, coming home from work, feeling wiped out mentally. Sometimes it's easier just to go to work and trail concrete than to think and have to think about a crew of guys and moving. And the next, the next three, di- you're not thinking. For those people who don't know, if you're if you're ever in the construction industry, and you go from being the guy who just shows up and gets told what to do, to having to, I don't like saying tell people what to do, but control the flow of the work and the progress and that takes a lot of mental time because you have to you have to foresee what will happen if you make the next move and how how much time it takes and you have to allow people the time to do the work you can't just presto change or hey go do this and then turn around it's done you have to you have to be inclined to understand there's a time there's a time a lot it takes and you have to expect mistakes you have to expect breakdowns you have to expect tools to go down uh, logistics to get shit on the job site, cleaning up the job site. There's all these other things, and I've gotten better with being able to do it, but at the same time, I also feel more tired at times coming home from work than if I was just told, hey, go over here and do this. And um, But that's what I guess what comes with growing up and you know moving on up, as they would say. So um, I haven't been able to do some of these smaller solo ones as quickly as I want it, but I do have a couple banked. Um, funny enough that for those who are unaware, the YouTube model has always been like, uh, you need X amount of subscribers. So in this case, a thousand subscribers, this hardcore fest as a YouTube, (laughs) we've got 20, I think I, I really didn't, I really would need extra money to then go ahead and have someone go back and digitize the video angle and then we could put the um, audio angle to it to get it up on YouTube and then we'd have to have the subscribers and all this is extra work and you know I have a real job like a real job a real union job you know I'm this time of year I'm up before the sun's up and we're gonna get to the part of time where I'm up before the sun's up and I'll be watching the sunset when I come home and I don't have the extra time and I don't have the extra money to pay the people that would be needed to do the things, even the social media stuff. Um, 
in if we're gonna side quest into mental health. I've had a lot of weird anxieties. Just like, oh, I'm too anxious to post, like, um, procrastinating, or I'm gonna get to it. Don't worry. Um, I hate to say it, I don't have the same access to people who have quick, easy art skills on hand and on demand. So I do a lot of shit myself. So some things are lagging, but hopefully to step things up in the near future as far as the show postings in general and this this particular show postings. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not as fancy as the rest of the podcast out there. Sorry, guys. But in general, where I was getting at was YouTube. It need YouTube's model was kind of like you're not even getting paid to put content out until you have X amount of people absorbing and you know interacting with the content. And for a long time, Spotify didn't really have that. They just had a metric of you get paid X amount per stream. So as long as you're getting streams, eventually we're going to pay you out. And then the argument was, well, you know, they don't really get paid out because of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that's different deals with distributors. And the people who are digitally distributing are getting paid more than the artists are. Well, they just recently went ahead and said that they're actually going back. They're going to once again limit how many people pay or how many bands they pay based on how many um, people are actually interacting with the tracks. And if you have just like under, I'm just going to use a number. I don't, I actually don't have it in front of me. I was going to do a whole show on it. And then I was like, realized like, dude, that'll take me an hour to write the notes out and 35 minutes to do it. And I didn't have that time this week, but Spotify essentially is like saying like, we're not paying the low balling, uh, artist. And this is the funny bit that I've been saying since the day one. Now they're going to go through and they're going to penalize record labels and distributors and specific people who have been lying about the streams. You know, in, in a world of hardcore, a real hardcore, not fake hardcore, like today's hardcore, but like real hardcore, none of that shit existed. You went out, you played a show. People liked your band or they didn't like your band or, you know, they didn't see your band until after you were broken up and then they liked the record and that's why the reunion counts. And in this, mar- in this in this world of numbers and music biz people, everyone's obsessed with fucking numbers. So what happens when mo- numbers start mattering? Oh yeah, everyone's going to fake the numbers. Not, you know, bands who don't play in front of 200 people when they headline don't have 10,000 monthly subscribers. Maybe they click the button, but they ain't listen to you and they ain't going to your fucking show. And I, I just had to go, once again, like my monthly, don't pay attention to the numbers. Pay attention to who's buying your fucking t-shirts when you go play. Who's actually standing in front of you when you play shows. It's the only real fucking metric that matters. And so you're going to see people bitching and complaining about, oh, well, no, Spotify is not paying us all. And again, these are the same kind of people that jumped on the bandwagon of saying that, you know, Sonny shouldn't be making money. And yet all their shit's all over Spotify where they're also not making any fucking money. But, again, that's a whole nother thing. Also, shout out to Sonny. A lot of people put politics socially over when they mean to stand for something. I'm not going to pick a side or say what I have to say because we're going to do a rule of three on it. Special rule of three episode at some point. When me, Richie, and G can all get on the same page. But really when it comes down to it is, is the people who believe in something stay consistent. The people who jump on the internet and say things because they're supposed to say things, 
you don't see them talking as much. Or they said something and someone in the DMs disagreed with them. So they pulled it down. I'm not going to ask you to take a side. I'm not going to ask your fucking opinion. Everyone has one or they don't have one. But in hardcore, there's a lot of fucking fake people that are afraid to stand and fall. You know, with people. It might mean stand and fall. Like stand up for what you believe. And sometimes you got to take the fall. Sometimes you got people shit all over you. Some people got people think that you're a certain way for a certain belief. As long as you hold your belief and you stay consistent, that's all that fucking matters. So big ups to Sonny. Big ups to all the people out there who want the world to be a better place and think that whatever they're doing is helping. Um, not a great, 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 great segue into the topic today, but we killed some time, right? Um, I did get a new sound effect thing, which is SideQuest, and I can't, can't think of a good time to play it, but I do now have two of these things. And um, I was playing with it on the non-recorded part of Bob Wilson's podcast, but still love to fucking, still love to play around and make it happy. You may hear them a couple times. Um, Blacklisted is the band that when Philadelphia Hardcore was transitioning from what was left, you know, what was left of the golden era of the 90s and when the world of R5 productions and uh, Robbie Redcheek's stuff kind of took a different turn. You know, Robbie had actually, by the time Blacklist it was playing, was completely done booking shows. And R5 became this monster that, you know, couldn't find enough places for all the shows they had to do. But the one thing that Philadelphia... Not in the weird DIY crust punk fucking goofball crowd and not in the not in the world of things that is like more DIY and wants to be they call themselves hardcore, but then shit talk to bands like Madball and stuff and then five years later they walk around with the Madball shirt like, Oh, I always liked them, but I hate how aggro they are. Like there's a moment where Blacklisted kinda came into the existence and there was stuff going on, but it wasn't at the level it could have been. Like, it's nowhere near where it is now, is essentially what I'm saying. Venues were different. We were doing shit up at the Club HP. It's actually where Blacklist had played their first show. We were doing shit scattered in the Northeast, and our hardcore wasn't always exactly the most supported until this band kind of came out. And I'm not going to tell a story about you know, not what I'm trying to do is to say the Blacklisted is a band that came up at a time where if you were listening to today and you were not privy to this shit 20 years ago, you wouldn't get what kind of Philly hardcore scene there was. But it remains to be seen as Blacklisted came at a time when hardcore was just getting ready to be where it needed to be for something like a Blacklisted. And there's almost a weird thing where Blacklisted grew with the hardcore scene that it fell into. But for Philadelphia, you know, I, I don't I, I don't need to explain this to you guys any better after last week. Or the city with teams that are great but never make it all the way. Or they lose in the big game every fucking year. They'll never catch me be 
a super sports fan. I used to have a Flyers jersey. I usually rock a Philly hat. I've never worn uh, an Eagles thing, really, because I don't like some dude to come up and start asking me about stats and, you know, dick for meal and shit that I don't know. So I stay away from the Eagles guys because they're just brainwashed drones. But for and I and the Sixers basketball is really boring. And uh, the last time I was interested in the Sixers, we ended up on South Street when they lost in their finals. So um, I I don't really get super sportsy. But if you grew up in Philadelphia, you know that our teams are just good enough that you like them, and never good enough to always win the big games. That's kind of a really good way to say that that's kind of like what our hardcore scene was like. Like we had really good shows because of our five and the church shows and but we didn't have the name at the same level. It was twenty years ago. This blacklist that comes out, they get down with Bob Shedd who was doing posse numbers and fantastic Wilkes Bar shows and you know, Wilkes Bar had DIY spots a little bit easier in the Cafe Metro and they had a smaller physical scene, but they had better bands. More you know, in fact, bizarrely enough, the people that you know, like a Cobral, Cobral moved to Philly for college and they kind of were a Wilkes Bar band, but dudes definitely lived down here and there's always been a weird connection between Wilkes Bar people living in Philadelphia but repping Wilkes Bar and um it, it it basically isn't what it was. What it was then isn't what it is now. So if you're trying to compare, you're not going to be able to if you if you don't have this basic information. When they linked up with Bob and the walk all night, took them on and the first recordings came out, it wasn't too long after that Jay Reason and Josta and this is, uh, if you didn't know, uh, episode 114, Jay Reason goes on there and talks a little bit about this, but not super in detail. But upon finding Blacklisted, Josta got involved, and then they were on Stillborn. They would play a giant electric factory show, and it wasn't their vibe. And George, with his connections to Jake and the Trey uh, Deathwish, eventually linked up and they went from a small DIY label to the big label you'd want to be on if you wanted to be the pro hardcore tour all the time band which Jay Pepito who's in the band I want to say they're called End yeah Jay Pepito was in that is in that now and tried to make that happen when he did his Reign Supreme band that's what he wanted to do direction wise with the band from the outset, I think George was kind of not wanting to go that route. And I think other people in the band pretty much went along. So with the George, like, oh, I don't know, maybe and they went to death wish. And I do think it's that coupling of death wish and blacklisted. I mean, Trey had lived in Philly, but if Trey moved back to Philly. Now there's always been a really good connection with that band and Philadelphia and the bands in Philadelphia that it just made sense. And, you know, they had to work for it, but, you know, they had help. They had, you know, I mean, early on, they would open up for, ba- like, they opened up for everybody. They opened up for, that's blood. we did a weekend where it was Blood for Blood and Ragman. I mean, that's fucking sick. You know, um, there's a lot of cool shit that Blacklisted did, and they had to grind and get it out. And, you know, lineup changes consistently, 
as the band shifted, moved forward, or just, you know, wanted to go in a different direction. But the band became something here pretty much not instantaneously the way Scarab is. Like, you know, Scarab and all their friends knew all the songs before they ever played the first show. Blacklist was a little bit different. Times were different, you know. But pretty quickly, you know, everybody wanted Blacklisted to open everything. You know, within a year, there wasn't a show in Philly where Blacklisted wasn't asked to play. And that just, you know, that really did say something about, because forever we didn't even have a band that people could get on a show, you know, and they played a lot of cool shit. But um, at some point, you know, when they started releasing LPs and we started doing the record release shows, really did change a lot of things because we were having more people come through and they were the they were a little bit of um if you're familiar with like the Marco Polo and the fucking the the trade routes like Philadelphia, Wilkes Bar, Richmond, um New Jersey, there was like two or three spots in the shore and up north where you know these bands would play. So there was like a decent stream coming in. Blacklist is at the head of a lot of this, but alongside Cold World, um, this is pre-title fight, obviously, and um, they all kind of created what is now more or less what still sort of exists. You know, venues may change, bands definitely have changed, a lot of the same people or connected to the same people, but um, really, it was that era. Without this, without this era, we're not where we're at now. We're behind in the times. I've always said that. Remarkably so. Uh, for those who are too young and don't know, this last night of the This Is Hardcore, the first year, Sunday, August uh, 2006, Blacklisted earlier in the year had decided that they were going to break up. So they said they were like, yo, we'll play, la- it'll be our last show ever. So we had headliners Friday and Saturday and then Blacklist it was going to end the night headlining as their last show. And then a change of heart and hey, it's not our last show. Um, Still remarkable, it's still like an insane show. Um, Remarkably, one of those like, for, well, you know, another great firsts in This Is Hardcore was having a band from Philadelphia big enough to play to almost a thousand people on a Sunday night. When it's in itself, it is legendary. And that would go on to kind of be the path that this band took. Everything that it did outside of Philadelphia. I'm a little bit gloomier on it. I, you know, I say I'm darker on it. Now, like, they fucking sucked ass out of Philly. I wasn't really involved. And I just always said, like, oh, well, you know, seeing Blacklisted in Philadelphia was like a religious experience. And, you know, there was a thousand shows that I can think of that proved that time and time again. And all the different venues. I mean, for their time, they they were lucky that they played so many different random venues in Philadelphia. A lot of them defunct. A lot of them, you know, people go, oh, shit, I forgot they played that space, you know? And, and it says something about just that time. I mean, they literally were a band that were playing in the basements and to the point where they were headlining, you know, 
big rooms, big, big rooms. And it's important in this time and age that the kids today, and maybe the people who aren't quite kids, maybe they're not in their 20s, but they're just hitting their 30s, and they just miss blacklists, and they're finally going to see them, and they'll get their version of it. You know, I can't, I can't speak and say, what, you know, I always hate it when people, oh, that's not a blacklist show because it's not this time and these people. This is going to be the blacklisted shows for this era. You're going to have a ton of people from out of town. You have a ton of people there just for Unbroken that may not even be that hip to blacklisted and via this. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not an odd pairing because the bands have mutual respect for each other, but there is an age gap in the bands and some of the fans. But I think what bridges these two shows is the middle bands and what those bands bring to the table to make everybody kind of come into the room. It's also really hard to say because some people just buy shows, especially these kind of shows like this where people buy tickets and they don't decide to go or they buy tickets and they're really only into one band and don't care. So they wait till they, there's always different things, these bigger shows. But my point was that the blacklisted fans who haven't got to see them are going to get their chance. And I hope it gives them something special to understand like this is a special band, a special band for Philadelphia. Absolutely remarkable. I keep using the word remarkable. I mean, it's like the guy who hears it, who puts the, uh, the word of the day calendar out. <laughs> um, you know, uh, they were special for us. And they were special for hardcore. They did a lot of things. Um, I always say, and we said it on the podcast way back with Andy Rice, me linking Blacklisted with Andy Rice. And, uh, Andy was able to do so much because he had Blacklisted as a like a client, you know, booking Blacklisted gave him the, the, the legit what he needed to get to other bands. There's so many little things that come with this band. It's a special weekend. Those who get to see this should feel like they're seeing history. And it's not dumb to say that. It's a thousand shows that are history. And this is just lucky that in Philadelphia, this one's for us. Um, whether you've seen them in the beginning uh, or you saw them, you know, towards the end, or you're just a fan from the music side and never really got to check them out but loved all the Hate 5 6 stuff, it's important that. Blacklist is back. And, you know, pretty badass that E-Town has a new song. Blacklist is back. It's fucking Halloween. Um, once again, the Phillies bombed. So at least something's kind of cool. Uh, Philadelphia Hardcore is doing really well. And I, I say this every time I say something. It's not doing good because one day, you know, me or showed up or Bob showed up. Philadelphia is doing good because somewhere down the line, one person did something and then that person stopped doing it. And when that person stopped doing it, no one gave up. There was other people still doing things. And then when that person gave up or moved on or got old or couldn't do it or just got tired of it or the venue got shut down and they didn't have another place, we have survived so many different little pieces of of time and, and Jackal and Chuck Meehan and you know even Met and Chuck Treese and these older folks that still go to shows today you know like they were around for the, the lion's share of all this stuff 
you know, we're not New York. We don't had we didn't have CBGBs and all that stuff like that. But we had our own thing. We still have our own thing, and we're lucky that it's one of the best things in hardcore. Period. But it, it wasn't built on one thing. It was built over time and generation generationally. And on top of it, one generation didn't completely go against. We just kind of picked up and carried on. You know, you want to thank people for the church. Thank the Cabbage Collective. They did it. They did it. Almost 33 years ago, or 31 years ago, I think it was 92 or 91 was the first time those guys did the shows. You know, that's who you want to thank if there's church shows. You know, you want to thank the reason why Hardcore stayed in the church? Oh, because Sean Agnew came in first just doing ska shows and later just doing more R5 shows and built the foundation of relationship that he has that survived when the church wasn't allowed to do shows anymore and brought them back when we were able to do. You know, these people did this. I got lucky that there's a room that we can still do because these people did this. And this is what I'm saying to you about Philadelphia Hardcore. We are lucky that Blacklisted did what it did from 03 through till about, when did they they stop? 16, 17, I forget what the hell it was. Maybe 15 or 16, I forget. And they're back. Who knows what they're going to do, what else they have planned. That's on them. But we're lucky that they're back because what they put on and what they did added to the legacy and raised the bar and brought the spotlight and and helped shine on Philadelphia. And for that, everyone who represents Philadelphia then or now should be grateful because without Blacklisted, we'd still be hearing that Kid Dynamite is like one of the only bands from Philadelphia and all this other stupid shit. Um, TIHC podcast, uh, for all the simple reasons. Yeah, procrastination, you want to be emo and say, you know, we have a lot of childhood trauma and they say that's why people procrastinate. I also have a real day job, you know. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have enough time in the day to do the things I need to do half the time, let alone these auxiliary things. I love this podcast. I made a promise to you and I've, I've stuck to it a lot better in the last couple months. They always have something on a fucking Friday to listen to. And uh, I'm working on it. Support Philly Hardcore Shows. Support Bob Wilson. Support that Ben Stuckey. Um, Justin Clemo. um, I like working with him every day. And I like making fun of him every day. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Big ups to all the homies we're going to see this weekend. And rest in peace to those who are unable to be with us, but we're a huge part of those days. Although not in presence, they are there in spirit. Brought it up about Dan Stoney. There's a ton of people that, when I'll be standing there on stage looking out, I know they won't be there anymore, and it'll be sad. Um, all right. Talk to you next week, and we will have more. So thank you.